Okay. <laughs> Greetings, Team Ajulam. Karibuni sana tena. So, today we're starting a new series that we're calling Faith Lifestyle. Faith Lifestyle. And the reason why we're doing this series is because for many of us, we do not know how to have and maintain the kind of faith that Jesus teaches us that we should have. Right? Jesus, while teaching on faith, teaches his disciples that it's not a quantity issue, it's a quality issue, right? In Matthew 17 from verse 14 to 20, there's a story that shows us, and allow me to read it, where he says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. The water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So what Jesus teaches his disciples is that the issue isn't in the quantity of faith that they have, but the, in the quality of faith that they have, right? Because he says to them, just have faith the size of a mustard seed and you can move mountains, right? He even goes on further to say nothing will be impossible for you, right? And so the thing is that this faith he describes to be like, like a seed, it means that it can grow. It's something that can grow because it's said that it's like a faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is very, very small. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Right? Which means it can grow. And what we observe in a lot of times from Jesus' teachings is that faith is a necessary ingredient to receiving from him. You know, there are times where God has moved without our faith, right? Like the case of the guy who had the issue, um, the guy who had been a paralytic for 38 years. The guy was there chilling, but he didn't have faith in Jesus, but Jesus still healed him. But what we find is that for the most part, Jesus responded to people's faith. He even encouraged it where he would literally say to those he has healed that your faith your faith is the one that has made you well, right? And so the thing is that our ability to believe allows us to experience the miraculous. Even salvation itself is by faith, right? And so what the book of Hebrews tells us is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so the purpose of this series is for us to learn how to cultivate a lifestyle of faith, to live a life that pleases God, which is a life of faith. The just, the Bible says, shall live by faith. Okay? And so for this first episode, I want us to be able to look at Mark chapter 5 from verse 21 to 34. Okay? Mark chapter 5 from verse 21 to 34. Allow me to read. When Jesus had crossed, had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And, then, and yet you ask, who, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Hallelujah. It's the word of the Lord. Now, today what we're going to do is that we're going to look at the, 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 the about, uh, we're going to study the woman with the issue of blood in this story. And then next week, we're still going to look at this story, but we're going to look at Jairus. Jairus, who is the synagogue leader and actually is, in a sense, kind of the, I don't want to say the main character, but he's the, uh, the guy who, in a sense, this, this story begins about. This woman was like a side note to the initial story, which is about Jairus and his daughter. So we're going to look at that next um, next week, right? Just be able to gather some major, major gems in this uh, the story that will teach us about uh, faith. And so here is what happening is happening here. So there is this synagogue leader named Jairus who comes to plead with Jesus to come with him to heal his daughter who was on her deathbed. Okay. And so what Jesus does is that he agrees to go with him. And I want you to visualize this situation, right? I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've seen. Like at this point in time, the, like the Bible says that there was a huge crowd that was around Jesus. That by the time the guy lands, uh, Jesus lands from the other side of the lake, is that as soon as he lands, there's a huge crowd that's waiting for him. And Jairus, is, uh, uh, the synagogue leader, is there to, 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 to meet with him and to plead with him to come and heal his daughter. But Jesus is amongst a huge crowd. And, uh, you know, I remember seeing uh, once a clip, this was during the elections, of uh, the president, Uhuru Kenyatta, walking to go uh, after he had cast his vote and there was such a huge crowd of people that were around him and his security officers are trying to fend off people so that they don't get too close to the president but this is this is how I imagine this is what's happening right that his his disciples <laughs> Jesus disciples are like his bodyguards and Jesus is here moving through the crowd and his disciples are holding people off like come on man you relax the teacher is trying to move so i can imagine this is probably what's happening right so the people are pressing against him and i imagine this is what's happening to Jesus as he's moving along because at this point in time his fame is like homie homie done blown up right now while this whole movie is happening we are told of something behind the scenes. We are told that there is this woman that has been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Right? She's been uh, 12 years a slave. <laughs> uh, anyway. um, so the Bible says that she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors to try and solve this issue that she had. But nothing had come out of it. And not only that, it says that she had been seeing all these doctors for all this time. She had spent everything that she had. And all that was happening is that her condition was only getting worse and worse. Right? This is what's happening right now. And the Bible says that when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about him, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak, in other versions, it says that she touched the hem of his garment while saying to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
The Bible then says that immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she, would free, that she was freed from her suffering. And the thing that happens is as once when Jesus realizes that power has gone out of him, right, he's like looking around to be like, who did this, right? Now I want you to recognize the significance of this because in all of Christ's ministry, as, long as, as far as we know in, in terms of what is told to us in scripture, we aren't told of any situation where power went out of him without his knowledge. Right? For the most part, most times, whenever we see the miracles happening, it's because people come and they ask. That they would come and ask, and then they would receive. Right? But in this situation, it's different. This woman went and literally took her miracle. She didn't ask for it. She took it. And I can imagine how it must have been so weird for his disciples when Jesus turns around and he's just like, Who touched me? Because think, remember what's happening here. People are pressing against Jesus as he's trying to go away. So people are all touching, whatever, pressing against him. There's a whole crowd that's around him, right? And so here he is looking around saying, Who touched me? Right? Of course, the disciples didn't understand what he was asking because what Jesus was asking is, Who has taken power from me? Right? Him, they are thinking that in terms of the touching, right? And so Jesus is here asking, who is this person, right? Looking around like, who did this, right? Who's this person who has literally come and taken their miracle, <laughs> right? And so what she does is that she comes, she outs herself, trembling with fear. She told him the whole truth of what she had done. And I love Jesus' response to her where he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You know what I love here in this part is just something that I was thinking about is how he refers to her as daughter. There's a significance towards this, which we'll look at. But the fact that he refers to her as daughter, you know, one of the things you realize most times is that even in, in, in a household, the people who take things without asking is children. <laughs> most times, right? Like most times a servant will ask for permission to go and like go and grab something from take some where the kid will just come and open the fridge and just take whatever it is whatever is there you know um so anyway what we see here is that jesus tells this woman that her, what has healed her is her faith right and the thing that's so interesting is that you know the thing is is that the year is jesus who is power personified the son of the living god right many people were pressing against jesus but nothing was happening for them Right? There were many people pressing against Jesus, but this woman, because of her faith, was able to draw power from him. Right? It's kind of like how if, if Jesus was like a, a power socket, right? That, yeah, it's cool that you have a power socket, you can even come, even you touch the power socket, but until you place a power plug inside there, right? You don't draw any power from this thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, so that's the thing that's happening is that Jesus is power personified. And faith is like that plug. That literally what she did is that she plugged in and she was able to draw power from Jesus Christ for her healing. Right? And so the question really here is, is that what can we learn from this woman's faith? What is the lesson here about faith? What are we being taught here about faith? Now, the key thing that I want us to look at closely is what it says in verse 27 to 28, where it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, the word here, in fact, if you look at other versions, the Matthew version, the Luke version of this story, specifically the Matthew version, it says, 
that she was saying to herself. The word here, she thought. You know where it says, and touched his clothes because she thought. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. The word she thought in the original Greek language, is, which is the language of, of, of um, the New Testament, is the word lego. Lego! Yeah? The word lego. Now this word lego literally means to say, to speak. It's, the, the, the word lego means to affirm over, to teach, to exhort to advise, to command, to direct, to point out with words, to speak out, to speak of, to mention, right? And like I mentioned in the Matthew version of this story, it says in chapter 9 verse 21 that she said to herself, she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And so Matthew has the more accurate translation of what she did. She was saying to herself, she affirmed over and over to herself. She taught herself. She advised herself. She commanded herself. She directed herself. She verbally pointed out to herself. She spoke out to herself. So today what I want to be able to ask you as we study this thing, this, as we begin this study on faith, is today I want to ask you, what have you been saying to yourself? See, here is the thing. For many of us, we are speaking to the mountain one thing, but saying to ourselves another. We are saying to ourselves, you're so stupid, but asking God for wisdom. We are saying to ourselves, all men are dogs, but going to ask God for a husband and wondering why God is not answering your prayers. We are saying to ourselves, ah, all women want is money, but going to ask God for a wife and wondering why God isn't answering your prayers. We are saying to ourselves that we are incapable of getting the job we desire, but going to ask God for the job we desire and wondering why he isn't answering our prayers. We are saying to ourselves, we will never get out of this, but going to ask God for a breakthrough. Friends, some of the things that we say to ourselves, we would never say those things to our friend. You say nicer, more encouraging, more uplifting things to our friends than we do to ourselves. You are speaking words of doubt to yourself. You are openly proclaiming words of faith, but speaking words of doubt to yourself. This woman said to herself, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Not I hope I am healed. Not maybe I will be healed. I will be healed. What she said to herself was it's possible. In the midst of what was a 12-year struggle that had made her broke and a struggle that was making her worse and worse, she said to herself, if I touch him, I will be healed. And so today I want to ask you, what are you saying to yourself? Are the things that you're saying to yourself negative or positive? Are they words of faith or words of doubt? Because the thing about doubt is that it's a continuous negative thought process that obviously is anchored in the reality that you see. Like this woman, she could have had and looked at the reality that she was in. She's been here for 12 years. She's been gay. She's broke. She's be, it's made her worse, right? Well, faith is a continuous thought process, positive thought process that is anchored on God's word. And I will demonstrate this to you, especially from this story. I want to really uh, show you why this was a positive thought process anchored on God's word. 
And I want to explain this a little further, what is happening here, because it is incredibly profound. For, like, this is so profound. In the Matthew version of this story, story, it says that she touched the hem of his garment, which is very significant, why she was touching the hem of his garment. Right? In fact, if you look at the, in, in Matthew 14 from verse 34 to 36, we see a similar thing happening where sick people come to touch the hem of Jesus' garment and getting healed. And it reads, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick. And they pleaded with him that they might just touch the border of his cloak and all who touched it were cured. Right? And so the thing is, is that you see here now later in Matthew, what is the significance of touching the hem of his garment? What is the significance of touching the hem of Jesus' garment that is causing even here in these people in the Genesaret to also receive healing from touching this hem of his garment? Right? Because what we are told in this story of the woman with the issue of blood, it says in verse 27 that when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and touched his cloak. Basically, she touched the hem of his garment. And with the story in Matthew 14, it says when the men of that place recognized Jesus, they sent word into all the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick. Right? And so the question is, what had she heard about Jesus that made her do what she did? And in the case of those men, what did they recognize about Jesus that made them send word to the region to bring all the sick? I put it to you that both this woman and those men touching the hem of his garment did this because they, are, they, were, they were basically acknowledging Jesus as the Messiah. What they were acknowledging was, is that Jesus was the promised Savior. The one who the scriptures, the scriptures spoke of as the coming Savior. Right? And part of the reason why Jesus, in fact, refers to this woman as daughter is because she was Jewish. Right? A daughter of Abraham. And because she was Jewish, she would have understood the significance of touching the hem of the Messiah's garment. Basically, basically, her touching the hem of his garment was her acknowledging that he was the Messiah. And for us to be able to understand the significance of this, we have to look at the Old Testament. Now, in Numbers 15 from verse 37 to 41, the Lord says to Moses, Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and that they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, so as to do them and not to follow after your heart and your own eyes, after which you played the harlot, so that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Now, the thing is, is that in ancient Israel, men were instructed to wear a four-cornered outer tunic, right? Which, which with, with tassels tied to the, to the four corners. Now, this is the thing that Jesus was actually wearing on that day, okay? This is the thing that he was wearing on that day. Now, the purpose of the tassels, as we read in Numbers, was to remind those who wore it of the law of God. It was a reminder of God's commandments. 
right? They were a reminder of God's word. This is what these things were about. They were a reminder of God's word. In fact, the verse specifically said that it was a way to remember, not to follow after your own heart or your own eyes. This was to remind the wearer that God's word is what matters. This is what they symbolized. This is what they represented, the hem of his garment. It had 613 knots literally to remind them of the 613 laws of Moses. So the tassels or the fringes or the hems were essential to Jewish culture because of God's command to Moses. And it was literally a reminder of the importance of God's word. That was what the whole hem of this garment was. And so, why did this Jewish woman believe that touching the hem of the Messiah's garment would heal her? In Malachi 4 and verse 2, a prophecy is made regarding the Messiah where it says, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Now the Hebrew word here that's used for wings is used is the, in this passage is the word kanaf. This word kanaf is the word that specifically means fringe, meaning it basically means the hem. The hem, that hem that we're talking about is the kanaf, right? And so in this verse, speaking of the Messiah, it's basically saying that for the Messiah, he will have healing in the hem of his garment, and so the reason why she reaches for the hem, the reason why the people in Genesaret, in Matthew 14, brought their sick and they were asking Jesus just to touch the hem of his garment to receive their healing. The reason why this was happening is first and foremost is because they acknowledged him as Messiah. And if he is the Messiah, then it would mean that there is healing in the hem of his garment. And so basically what you're seeing here with this woman with the issue of blood and the people of Genesaret is that they literally, they took God's word literally. They took God's word literally. And so with this woman, when she heard about Jesus, she's like, this is the Messiah. She acknowledged who he was. This is the promised Messiah. This is the Savior. And if he is the Messiah, it means that there is healing in the hem of his garment. This is why she was saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of the Messiah's garment, I will be healed. This is what she was doing in a very little, literal sense. And so what she did is she, become, she began declaring that word to herself, knowing that when she touches the hem of the garment, that she will be healed just like the scriptures say. So what am I saying here? What I'm saying here is this, is that what this woman was saying to herself is what God had promised in his word. She wasn't waiting for no prophetic word over her. She was not going to go and ask Jesus. She believed that what God had said in his word, he would do. In 2 Corinthians 1 from verse 19 to 20, it says, For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but has been yes in him. For as many as 
the promises of God are, in him they are yes. The thing to understand is this, is that in Jesus Christ the promises of God are yes. What that means is, is that the promises, all the promises in the scriptures are for us who have put their faith in Christ Jesus because Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is our Savior. And what this means in a very literal sense is that if there is a promise that God has given to his people, it is available to all who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. This is the victory that Jesus, the Messiah, has purchased for us. That in him, all the promises of God are yes. God's word is his gift to all who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. What he has promised us belongs to us who are in Christ Jesus. And herein is the tragedy. That if you do not know that you have a gift, how can you enjoy it or how can you exercise it? This woman knew the promise that existed in the hem of the Messiah's garment and touched that hem with confidence, saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And so the thing that I want to ask you yet again, what are you saying to yourself? What are you saying to yourself? What are you confessing to yourself? Is it the thoughts of your heart or the things that you see? Or is it God's promises for you? Or is it God's word for you? You know, one of the things that this COVID season did, unfortunately, is that it put me in some debt. Because there was some debt that we were servicing. And the thing that happened because of COVID is that it ended, and, 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 and you know, business being able to be disrupted, is that it then put us in, 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 a, in, a, in a difficult debt situation, right? Where we were incapable of being able to service our debts, right? And the thing is, I've been praying to God to, to, to help me overcome this, right? To help me overcome this. And so the thing is, is that I remember some t- at some point, I remember just deciding to go into God's words to see what God says to me regarding my situation. And in Psalms 37 and verse 21, it says that the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. And I remember when I read this, also remembering that it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so through Christ Jesus, I have become the righteousness of God. And so the thing is this, is that when I think of myself in debt, I say to myself, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am not wicked that I will borrow and not repay. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the thing is this, is that because this is God's promise in his word, I will say this to myself until all my debts are fully paid. Because though my reality may be different, I will declare to myself God's promise for me in my situation. That I am not wicked, I am righteous. Because God, through Christ Jesus, has made me righteous. And therefore, though my reality may say one thing, I will declare God's word instead. Deuteronomy 28 says, I also declare this, that I am a lender and not a borrower. 
And so I say this all the time because one of the things that I want to be able to do is to be an investor. And I say and I declare these things all the time because this is God's promise for us in his word. It's God's promise for me in his word. It is for me. This is what this woman did. This woman had been sick for 12 years. She had spent all that she had trying to be well and was only getting worse. But even in that state, she believed that that promise that God had, that there would be healing in the hem of the Messiah's garment, she believed that that promise was for her. Even in that state that she was in, that dire state that she was in, she was saying to herself, what she was saying to herself was God's promise to her through his word. And she knew as a daughter of Abraham that this promise was for her. She knew it. And so when she touches the hem of his garment, she gets her healing. She took God's word literally. And remember, she legoed it to herself. Remember lego, the Greek word for she was saying to herself. And if I put that word lego, Basically, she affirmed it over and over to herself. She taught herself. She advised herself. She commanded herself. She directed herself. She verbally pointed out to herself. She spoke out to herself. And so today I want to ask you, what are you legoing to yourself? What are you legoing? What promises are you affirming over and over? What promises are you teaching yourself? What words from God are you advising yourself with? What promises from him are you commanding over your life? What of God's words are you directing towards yourself? What promises of God are you speaking to yourself? Are you speaking to yourself God's promises or speaking negative words? Words of doubts, words of your reality. And the thing that this requires is that it requires a consciousness of what it is that you're saying to yourself. And the goal is to set out to discover what God says to you regarding to what it is that you're saying to yourself. That if you're saying to yourself one thing that is not true, that is negative, what does God say about it? And the goal is to replace what you're saying to yourself with what God says to you through his word. That you would lego like she did, which is to affirm over and over what God says to you through his word. Friends, this is a lifestyle of faith. The reason why you have no faith is because what you are consistently saying to yourself. It's not because of what you are saying to your mountain, but because of what you are consistently saying to yourself. And how we cultivate a lifestyle of faith is by beginning to learn to change the way we speak to ourselves. Romans 10, 17 teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It comes by hearing. So go and find out what God says about you or the situations in your life and replace the words you have been speaking to yourself and replace them with God's words. Go and grab the hem of his garment Go and grab his word. The hem, like I mentioned from Numbers, represented God's word. Cling to his word, literally. The way this woman did, it was literally. And use his word to find new things to say to yourself. So that the mustard seed 
faith that moves mountains may arise within you. You know, the thing for me as I close is that to realize that it took a lot of courage for that woman to touch Jesus. According to the law of Moses, anyone she touched in her condition would have become unclean. It took a lot of courage to do what she did. In fact, that's part of the reason why she was trembling before him. Because she knew that touching him was in violation of the law considering her condition. Right? And the thing that I want you to realize is this, is that to live like this, to live a life of Lego, requires courage. To be able to ignore your reality and to tame your tongue and have the discipline to declare God's truth over yourself over and over again, rather than what you see in your reality requires great courage. This is something that I want to implore you that we can begin to cultivate within us to plant that mustard seed of faith, of God's word, of legoing, affirming over and over what it is that are God's promises for us. Because we have spent most of our lives accepting the negative words that we speak to ourselves. Accepting words of defeat and fear. And so what I want you to think of today as, I want you to think of today as the day where you subscribed yourself to learning how to speak a new language. Where you are learning how to let go. Hey, I like that, how to let go. <laughs> right? How to let go of negative words. <laughs> and to affirm over and over what God says to you and his promises to you through his word. And what you're going to learn through this process is that you're going to learn a language of faith based on God's word. You're going to learn how to let go. How to let go. And so my question to you today, will you begin the journey to let go? Will you begin the journey to go and cling on to God's promises and affirm them over and over and over and change the way in which you speak to yourself? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, the things that we're able to learn through your word that the things we've been saying to ourselves have been negative, have been doubtful words. But you, O King of Heaven, today are teaching us and showing us that you have laid out so many great promises, that you have, lived, that you have laid out your words, that we can be able to go and cling onto them and be made whole. Father, I pray in Jesus' holy name that you will give us a consciousness of the words that we've been speaking to ourselves and that, Father, that you will show us and send us and show us the words that you desire that we, that we, should, that we ought to speak over our situations, over our lives, over our surroundings, over our children, over all our situations, over our lives. Teach us how to let go. Teach us how to let go. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share it with someone whom you love. Share it with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry. 
so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button, subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys. Thank you.